On today's show, the LA Clippers are expected to pick up Daniel Tice after a buyout with the Indiana Pacers. And looking at some lineup data, Russ, Harden, who is the better fit with the starters? What do we know about their fits? Going to be talking about it all and more, the latest on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes. Sir, you are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri, born and raised in the beautiful city of L.A. and in my 19th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more L.A. sports and L.A. Clipper content. And Locked On Clippers, free and available wherever you get your podcast. The best way to grow the show is to comment anything. What do you think about the the signing of Daniel Tice, and who do you want starting between Russ or Harden? Now, before you comment that part, wait till you hear my arguments, my points for both sides, because in this episode, I'm going to be giving you both sides of the coin, why we should start Russ, why we should start James Harden, and in the beginning, we're going to start off with talking about Daniel Tice and his entrance into the Clippers that is soon to happen. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. If you want to be prepared for any situation, get a Jace case for five life-saving antibiotics that can protect you from 50-plus infections. You can even customize your Jace case to get the medical, uh, the antibiotics that you need. But anyway, let's get into it. So the Clippers... 0-5 in the James Harden era have lost six games in a row and find themselves 3-7 and after starting the season 3-1. and And one of the reasons that they've struggled so much, besides the obvious lack of chemistry with the big four and James Harden in the starting lineup and how much Russ and Kawhi aren't playing as well, is the fact that Mason Plumlee got injured in the first game that James Harden played. And we lost our size in the front court. And now we have even less size in the front court and less size in general with Mason Plumlee out. So who is that backup option? P.J. Tucker at the five we've seen some of. We've seen some Musa Diabate. But to be honest, neither of these are great options. Now, I saw a stat on Twitter about the lineup data with P.J. Tucker at the five and how it's positive so far. And I think that the sample size is a little too small. And that will also apply to my James Harden stats that I show in this episode. But I just want to say that you got to take a little bit of these with a grain of salt. Because just because it has looked okay in the plus minus or the net rating in five games does not mean that it is sustainable and good. Because the Clippers have also lost every game as well. I don't care about their positive in this many minutes. It doesn't look good. It's too small. Now, what I think is the P.J. Tucker at the five minutes, they've been better offensively because when you have P.J. Tucker at your five, that means you have spacing. That means you usually have four other guys that can shoot the ball. Now, I'm not a fan of the Westbrook and P.J. Tucker lineups together because then it defeats the spacing. You still have two guys that aren't necessarily going to be respected from the outside. But I just wanted to point that out. I saw that on Twitter. 
that P.J. Tucker at the small ball five is positive right now in those minutes, but he's negative at the four, and the sample size is personally too small. The fact of the matter is the Clippers know that they cannot rely on P.J. Tucker at the five. They cannot rely on Musa Diabate. They need some insurance, and they are apparently, reportedly, going to pick up Daniel Tice off of waivers. Now, Daniel Tice is soon to reach a buyout with the Indiana Pacers. Actually, he has reached a buyout. It was reported on Wednesday, and he is expected to sign with the Clippers. Now, Daniel Tice, in my opinion, I gave a little bit of a background on him a couple of episodes ago, but somebody pointed out to me, and they were absolutely right, that I made a mistake by not looking at what he had done for Germany in FIBA recently, and that's my mistake. Um... You know, I got to be better about that. That definitely should have done more research on it because I am big into the international game. And even though I didn't catch too much FIBA, that is a relevant point, especially with the way that Dennis Schroeder has come out so far this season. He was the MVP of that Germany team or of the tournament, and he's been really solid for Toronto in all the games that I've watched to start the season. Daniel Tice, let's talk about him a bit. So he was part of that Germany team that just won the championship. Here's what I'll tell you about him. Daniel Tice was really good in the 2018 season for Boston. Wasn't bad in the 2019 season. 2020, he was also pretty decent. Started 64 games. He was actually their full-time starter that season when they made the conference finals. That was the best season of his career. He averaged 9 points and 7 rebounds in 24 minutes of play. And he also shot 57% from the field. And then in 2021, he was traded to the Chicago Bulls. And he's kind of bounced around a little bit there uh, since then. Played it with the Rockets for a bit, then returned to the Celtics for their title run where he averaged 19 minutes a game, but he came off the bench. Besides six games that he started, he averaged eight points and five boards with the Seas. Then the last two seasons with the Indiana Pacers, he has played a combined eight games total. Total. So that's a little concerning in my opinion. He obviously hasn't played playoff basketball since 2022 but here's the thing right you can't really judge those eight games that's not enough of a sample size the Clippers just need him for a couple of like a month or two just to provide that stability and a little bit of size until Mason comes back now when we talk about size Daniel Tice is actually a little bit undersized he's a 6'8 center I think he's a really good screener at least he was Decent jump shooter from the mid-range area. Three ball, not so convincing. Never has been. His highest three-point shooting season was 2019 where he shot 39%. But besides that, he's never shot over 33% for the season. So I wouldn't expect him to really shoot threes. Maybe pick and pop from the foul line or that one-handed push shot. Because that's something that Mason and Zoo do not have. At least Zoo shows it sometimes, but it's not consistent. In the 2023 season, Daniel Tice played seven games. He averaged 15.6 minutes per game, averaged seven points and three rebounds. Per 36, though, per 36, if he was to get 36 minutes hypothetically, he averaged he would average 16 and seven. So that's pretty good. Now, the thing about per 36 is 
it's just not a great statistic to me because you're just assuming that these guys could play 36 minutes in an NBA game and, and, and keep the same exact production, which is not always realistic. Secondly, if you play 36 minutes, you're granted to go against some of the better players. And for some of these bench guys, you are getting those – your per 36 looks good because that those actual minutes you're getting are against weaker players and weaker rotations and weaker lineups. So don't take that to the bank. But let's just say this. I'm happy with this pickup because – it gives us some insurance. It does. Daniel Tice is a good screen setter, and he's one of the best I've ever seen. And this is not an exaggeration. One of the best I've ever seen at rolling and sealing whoever's trying to recover on the screen to protect the ball handler from getting contested. So he did a great job with Tatum so many times where he'd roll and he'd seal the big man so he couldn't contest Tatum's shot coming off the screen. So expect to see a little bit of that. With James Harden. He was really solid about it. And you know what? I was on Twitter. And shout out to our guy Shap from the Law of the Jam, the podcast. We had him on the show a couple months ago to talk about who the greatest Clipper of all time was. Check that one out. And he said that he was watching some FIBA footage. And this is what his analysis was. And I wanted to share because I thought it was good stuff. Capable short roll guy with soft push shots. So I just talked about that. Willing passer on the elbow and out of dribble handoffs. Absolutely. I don't know why Daniel Tice wouldn't be a willing passer. He's not a great scorer. Willing shooter, he says, that has an ability to attack a closeout. Now, I've never seen that part, so we're going to have to wait and see. I don't see Daniel Tice putting the ball on the floor attacking closeouts. Never remember that in Boston. Um, Seals his guy well. That's exactly what I just talked about. He is fantastic at that. And he also said, generally just seems like a heady offensive player, sets good screens, can see him being a connector. That's exactly what he is. He also said, not a huge athlete, but can finish at the rim. We'll see. Has deficiencies with his height defensively, but very physical. That is true. He is strong, but he definitely is on the smaller side. And probably will be able to handle some post-ups from guys trying to post him up. So that is pretty good. So we'll see. The thing is, he's not a fast-paced player. He didn't want to play with a fast-paced team that didn't fit his style. Indiana is that. They're a young team. But with James Harden, he might fit really well. So maybe he's the guy that pairs up with James Harden and is a better fit with him than Ivica Zubats. So we will see how it goes. It's only a matter of time before we see Daniel Tice wearing that Clipper jersey. And you know what? I'm excited to welcome him with open arms. But coming up, let's get down to business. Before the Rockets game, I don't think there's going to be a change in the starting lineup. But let's look at the data and talk about who the better fit is for the starting five if we were to put one of Russell Harden on the bench. And I'm going to be starting with the case for Russell Westbrook. Pros and cons. Going to be talking about that coming up. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Thursday night football tonight. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you place your bets. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include player props, spreads, over-unders, and more. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, 
plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, let's talk about it. So the Clippers, besides Daniel Tice, a couple of extra notes. They are now signing or converting Joshua Primo to a standard contract. So remember, the Clippers, after the trade, had two open roster spots. Joshua Primo was one of the two three-way contracts with Musa and Jordan Miller. Now they are converting it to a standard normal contract. So Joshua Primo is officially on the team. Xavier Moon will rejoin the LA Clippers on a two-way contract. So I'm really happy to hear that. He deserved a shot. I like Xavier Moon. Primo is expected to continue to play in the G League. Remember, even if you're on a two-way, you can play in the G League. Xavier Moon, for now, will probably be with the Clippers on game days. But the Clippers still have one open roster spot, which will likely be used on Daniel Tice. Now, the two LA Clippers signings, this comes from Bobby Marks, says will push their current payroll over $200 million. So the Clippers went under the second tax apron, and now they're over it with a hardened trade. They joined Golden State as the only two $200 million-plus teams in NBA history. And since the hardened trade, the Clippers' tax bill has increased from $99.2 million to $142.3 million. So that's that. The Clippers... Over the tax for sure now, and they got to do something with it because this just looks crazy to go all in like this and come out with a 3-7 and seven record so far. Let's talk about the starting lineup. So there are people, very few at this point, that still want them starting together. It just doesn't look like a good fit. Before I get into the numbers, and part of the reason why I didn't get this episode out earlier in the morning today was because I was doing more lineup delving and I wanted to bring some data to you because I'm usually not the data guy. I'm a big eye test guy, but I wanted to do a little bit of both today because it's an off day. We got two days off for the, for the next game. Let's talk about the, the eye test fits, right, or lack of it. What's happening now is Westbrook and James Harden, you have two guys that want to play point guard. For anybody that says, oh, James Harden's a shooting guard, you know, he can go back to playing like he was in OKC. Harden said it himself. He hasn't played this way since OKC. That's not what he wants to do. That's not how he's maximized at this point. He's an unwilling catch-and-shoot three-point shooter a little bit. Times were, especially against Brooklyn and Dallas, he was, actually, I think it was Brooklyn, passing up open threes. Now, he did say after the last game, that the biggest adjustment for him is going to be just letting them fly, letting them fly. He hasn't gotten too many catch-and-shoot threes in years. Just got to let them fly because he shoots a good percentage on them, and that's what he said, and he's right about it. So that's something you'd like to see more of when they both start. But I've seen James Harden set more screens in these first couple of games than I've ever seen him set, and it just doesn't look natural for him. It looks uncomfortable. He's not very good off the ball. And then when you have Harden on the ball – Westbrook is left open by the defense, and now you're putting him back in the situation that he was with with the Lakers. You know, he already was going to be off the ball a little bit with Kawhi and Paul George running things, but a lot of times it's Russell Westbrook hitting them for quick hitters coming off screens. And if they can't get to their shot right away, they're at least attacking the defense, which is making them react, and then Westbrook can cut or get an offensive rebound where he feels, you know, the openings are, as opposed to a slow pace where Kawhi and Paul George are running high pick and roll. And Russell Westbrook will usually be open, but I think he's done a pretty good job since becoming a clipper of either shooting the three without hesitation and not shooting as bad a percentage on him or attacking the open space in front of him and making a play. 
there has been concern about when Westbrook does drive into a crowded paint and tries to fizzle it into Zubats underneath and Zubats' hands not being quite good enough to secure those passes. But overall, the balance, even though you had Westbrook off the ball just a little bit with Kawhi and Paul, was better. Not only does it affect Westbrook and Harden when they're in together, but it's affecting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, especially Kawhi Leonard. He just hasn't been good since the trade. I'm, I'm going to be honest. He just has not been good since the trade. When, and when I say the trade, I mean games that Harden has played in. Because against the Lakers, he had a really good first half when P.J. Tucker made his debut. What happens is now you have one more mouth to feed. You have another guy. Like when you had Robert Covington starting and Bones Highland starting, yeah, you think of Bones Highland as more of an on-ball creator, but he was being very sacrificial in that starting lineup. Robert Covington, he's not a creator. He's a guy that finishes plays and is going to shoot open threes. So you don't have as many cooks in the kitchen. What you're seeing in this starting lineup is the people that say there's only one ball are right about it. There is only one ball, and only one guy can get a shot each possession, and the Clippers are not getting second chances except last game. But that's not with the starting lineup. That's a lot of Terrence Mann. That's a lot of, you know, P.J. Tucker coming in and getting offensive rebounds. So what happens is you got more mouths to feed, and guys are not getting into a rhythm. And shout-out to Clippers radio uh, host Adam Oslund. He put this up, and I wanted to talk about it because I think it's relevant. It's Kawhi Leonard's shot distribution per quarter and his percentages in those quarters. Let me read this to you. Kawhi Leonard, this is the whole season, by the way, not just Harden. First quarter, shoots five shots a game on average, and is shooting 53% from the field and 50 from three. So that's amazing. Second quarter, just three shots on average, 35.5% from the field, 45.5 from three. So love the three-point percentage, do not like the field goal percentage there, and don't like the lack of shot attempts. Third quarter, six shot attempts, the most of any quarter by average, 48% from the field, 42% from three. Love that as well, all all the way around. And then the fourth quarter, the worst one probably of all, only three shot attempts, 38.5% from the field, and 33% from three. There's a couple of ways you can chop this up. One, he maybe he's just getting tired as the half continues. Two, I've noticed, this is just off my eye test, the Clippers have looked to get him going in the beginning of halves more. Because, of course, he has his little break in the second and fourth quarters a lot of times, but then he doesn't seem to get that rhythm. He doesn't, I mean, three shots in the second and fourth quarter, that's not enough. Kawhi should be getting at least four shots every single quarter. Now, same exact thing, but with Harden. First quarter, 4.8 shots a game, so five shots a game in the first quarter with Harden. So exactly the same amount, shooting 50%, but instead of 50% from three, 14% from three in the first quarter with Harden. Yikes. Second quarter, even less than the overall number, two shots per second quarter, and he's shooting 25% on them and 50 from three. 25% and only two shots. And then the third quarter, still the highest, six shots per quarter, 50% 50% from the field, 44% from three. So one thing you can take is that so far, with or without Harden, Kawhi has been pretty good in the third quarter efficiency-wise and aggression. Fourth quarter, with Harden, even worse. 2.3 shots per court fourth quarter and shooting 33% from both the three and the field. So 
Second and fourth quarter, no good. For me, it's a rhythm thing more than anything. I, I, I did comment on Kawhi's lack of lift in the last game, and I think it's real. But I think the rhythm thing is more important because he was still shooting his normal stuff, normal percentages, before Harden came. And I think Kawhi, as much as we talk about Paul George being a rhythm guy, I think Kawhi's a rhythm guy too. I mentioned it in the bubble, but when we had that concerted effort to try to get Paul George going in the Denver series, it felt like Kawhi didn't close as well. It felt like he didn't have that same heater rhythm that he was in in the regular season and against Dallas. So I'll tell you this about Kawhi. Something I've noticed since having him on our team is he often takes five or six shots in the first quarter, and he'll sometimes miss the first three, but he's just doing it to get a feel of the rim. And eventually, he'll take those same shots, and when he keeps taking those same shots that he's made a science, he sees one or two drop, and then he starts just hitting, just hitting everything. And I think we're really missing that because he's trying to let everybody else get going, and Kawhi is not the type of guy who's going to say, give me the ball, like I'm tired of this very often. He has to get really mad to do that. And he has his moments where he does, but it's Kawhi is not vocal enough. We all know this. He'll be the guy that's a good team player, but it's at the detriment of the team right now. So let's talk about, I mentioned that because I want to tell you, just to, just to overall uh, summarize, the five-man starting lineups. There's three starting lineups that have played 30 minutes or more, and they're obviously the first starting lineup we had with Rocco, the second starting lineup we had with Bones instead of Rocco before Harden came, and now the one with Harden. Here's their net rating for all three starting lineups. The Rocco one, plus 38. By the way, all of our best three-player combos but that have played 30 minutes or more, the top six have Robert Covington in them. It was only three games, but take that for what it's worth. The Bones lineup, 21.6. Plus 21.6, net rating. So again, another positive. The one with Harden, the big four plus Zoo, minus 14.1. Again, five-game sample size, but eye test, numbers, there's no justification for it. Now, Russell Westbrook. Let's talk about his case real quick to be in the starting lineup. So the Clippers say they want to push pace. They In the training camp, they focused on conditioning. That's because of Westbrook. They want to push pace because of Westbrook. Before Russ, they didn't care about pushing pace. They tried it with John Wall, but it didn't seem like anybody was running with him. Westbrook has this amazing connection with Paul George. And you saw the Clippers were off to a better start with Westbrook starting than they have been now. Now, the cons with Russ, spacing, of course. Ideally, you want space around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And with Westbrook and Zubats out there together, oftentimes you have two guys at the dunker spot, which crowds the paint. Now, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are such good mid-range players, so they can get away with it kind of like old-school players did. But in today's game, when other teams are playing with one guy inside and four guys in the perimeter, it can be a disadvantage when you have two guys around the basket. So that would be the case against Westbrook. And then there's the erratic decision-making. But that doesn't really matter for starting conversation. So... Uh, at least for the erratic decision-making, people, including myself, are nervous about towards the end. But for starting, it's not a big deal. But coming up, before we get into Harden's case, going to be showing you the numbers and comparing them. Coming up. I got to tell you a little something about Jace Medical. The Jace case is a way to be prepared for any situation. They have life-changing antibiotics, life-saving antibiotics that can prepare you for any situation. You can even customize those. 
You know, we spend a lot of time together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses. Not that many wins lately. Who starts, who sits, which we're talking about right now. And I'm thankful to be able to talk to you every single day about our team. But today, I want our chat to be a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You know what that means? If you bring on extended travel, you can bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue, and you'll be covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or Vadio prescription. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at Jace Medical to receive jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. That's Jace Medical. All right. So now I made the case I test wise for Russ. Also, actually, I didn't make it well enough. The defense is a lot better with Russ. It feels as though when, you know, take your pick, who's the worst defender in that starting lineup? If you put Terrence Mann in there, Russ or Zubats. But if either Russ or Zubats is your worst defender in the starting lineup or in a lineup, then your team's defense is probably pretty good. I mean, you have a lot of athleticism there. When Russ is out there with Terrence or Rocco slash, and then Paul and, and Kawhi, they get out to the three-point line quicker to close out. It just looks like there's less space for the opposing team. There's more athleticism, more length, quicker bodies flying around, quicker rotations. It's just when you take away a positive defender and replace them with James Harden in your starting lineup, not only are you making Kawhi and Paul George work harder defensively, which they have, and I think that's also part of why Kawhi's numbers have fallen, you're, the eyes of the opposing team just kind of light up. They get so much more confidence seeing Harden out there on the defensive side of things. But let's talk about the numbers so far. Actually, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it differently. I'm going to talk about Harden's case first, and then we'll do the numbers. So James Harden, his case is that he's the best playmaker we have in terms of pick and roll. He, re- he is, and there's no debate there. He is. One of the best pocket passers in NBA history. Has a great floater. No one else on our team really does. And he's just a fantastic passer. Also, he is... Very much so a half-court player now. You've seen him try to fast-break a little bit as a member of the Clippers, but that's not what he wants to do. You see him walking up the court. He often, in the last game, he took like 10 seconds off the shot clock multiple times before we got into anything. He is more methodical. He is a really good decision-maker in the half-court setting, and we're guaranteed to get good shots most, most of the time with Harden at the controls. And he's a floor spacer. He's going to be a threat from the outside with Kawhi and Paul George. And a lot of people think that that's how you optimize them, even though they're the ones, mainly Paul George, who wanted Westbrook. I'm the one who said that having Westbrook off the ball is going to take away from Paul George and Kawhi. And at times it can, but there are things that Westbrook does that has elevated their games, finding them for more open shots, pushing the pace and getting them easy baskets. James Harden, he'll give you open looks in the half court, but our pace has really slowed down with him. So in terms of Harden, the case for me is just that if you think he's better than Westbrook because he's a better shooter, that's really what it is. Better shooter, better ball handler, better in the pick and roll. That, those are the things for Harden. Can, can space the floor. 
Don't, that's his case. Now let's talk about the numbers, right? Plus minus, and again, small sample sizes. Russ, 10 games, Harden, 5. So don't just go crazy with these. I'm just giving you the numbers. Plus minus, Russ for the season is plus 37. Harden is minus 70. Offensive rating with Westbrook, plus 213, 117.1. That would be the sixth best in the NBA for any team. Defensive rating, 97.6. That would be the best in the NBA and they have a plus 19.5 net rating. So really good with Westbrook in 213. Now Harden with 213. 104.5 offensive rating. That would be the second worst in the NBA, only in front of the Portland Trailblazers. 121.1 defensive rating. That's the worst in the NBA, minus 16.5 net. Remember, that's Harden with 213. And mind you, though, these numbers actually got a little bit better after last game. They did. Because Harden had a better game, had, had his best game as a Clipper. Any three-man trio that has played at least 30 minutes, James Harden is in the negative in every single trio he's involved in so far. No positive trios with Harden in him. The highest rated was him, Russ, and Paul George with a minus 14.3. Now, I also looked up some duos. Harden plus Russ, minus 19.1. Harden plus Kawhi, minus 21.1. Harden plus PG, minus 16.8. Who's the highest duo net rating-wise that's still on the team? Because Robert Covington was involved in like a bunch. Well, besides Amir Coffey and Kobe Brown, who had the highest actually, but in net rating, I'm sorry, but in garbage minutes. And that was still, by the way, over 30 minutes. They played over 30 minutes together, apparently. But again, those are garbage minutes. The most relevant one of active Clipper players that were the best net rating duo, can you guess it? Russ and Paul George, of course, plus 14.3. So again, all the numbers point to that Westbrook is a better fit, but it's so early. So let me know what you think. Just wanted to point that out. Do you go with space? Maybe better offense, but worse defense? And maybe just a worse fit? My thing with Harden is, so everybody knows where I go with. I'm, I'm team Russ for the starting lineup. I think Harden's skill set, being a disinterested defender who's an awesome offensive player that can play, make, and score, that actually sounds like a sixth man. Like that, that, that legitimately sounds like what a sixth man does. But it's James Harden. He's getting paid $35 million. And Russell Westbrook can be a little erratic. And his lows... See, the thing is, I would say his lows can be very low. But like when Harden's shooting poorly, besides creating a couple extra shots, what else is he doing? You know, he's not fighting for jump balls. He's not going for offensive rebounds. He's not sprinting to the baseline and saving the ball like Westbrook did last game. That's not him. So... It's really just a threat having him out there. You know, that's what Clipper fans, a lot of them that are pro-Harden, they like. They like that. There's certain, there's certain sections of fans in the modern NBA community that hate, hate when a player is not being guarded offensively. Hate it. I don't like it. Of course, I think you should be able to shoot. But there are just so many other things for me in basketball. Like, I'm not the guy. If you want an offense-first mindset that's all about scoring and spacing, I'm not your host. Like, I'm not the guy. There's other people to listen to. That's not me. I'm all about defense, rebounding, and the little things to help you win games. You know why? Because over the course of my life, that's what I've learned wins. You can miss shots. But if you are not contributing in other facets, then you are not going to be frequently part of championship rotations. And championship rotations, high-level playoff basketball, is where it really separates the good from the greats and the greats from the goats. That's where it matters. 
And right now, Paul George, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook, for all the amazing things they've done in their career, that is where they have faltered. The final stages of the highest levels of NBA basketball. And that is where they need to put it together, and they won't be able to unless they find the best fit for this team. Coming up on Thursday, going to be talking a little more about that, a preview of the Rockets game, and going to be joined by a special guest, a former Clipper media member and a current still LA sports media member. Not going to reveal who it is, but I'm really excited to have them on. The age-old proverb, actually, no, not the age-old proverb continues. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, and of course, subscribe on YouTube at Locked on Clippers. Let me know in the comments what you think of the tie signing and also what you think of what I said about Russ and Harden. Who do you want starting? Or do you want to just keep it together? Keep the four together? Let me know. Oh, did I have the... Man, I may have had the the lineup, the starting lineup data actually because I, I wanted to see what their lineup is together, all of them. So let me see that. Oh, I already did. I already said it was minus 14.1. Never mind. I'm confusing myself. All right. That's it for me in this one. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more. I've been working really hard this season on it. Just went live to talk about the Lakers losing to the Kings. That was a good game on Wednesday night. Check that out. And, of course, all Locked On NBA channels, including Locked On NBA, Locked On Sports Today. And we also have a Locked On Los Angeles branch now where all you can find all your L.A. sports. So that is the move. Definitely check that out. The age-old proverb continues, go Clippers.